Welcome to the Hope on the Rise podcast. Uh, Bob, we are not over Riverside. We're here in person. What do you think? Uh, I can't believe it. I can't believe we're here right in Washington, D.C. at a, a capital turnaround place with, with Mark. It's great to be here. Uh, well, before we jump in, uh, Mark Batterson's the senior pastor of uh, National Community Church, and uh, Bob and Mark have a special relationship. Without further ado, Bob, why don't you take it away? Uh, well, Mark, it's great to be with you again. We've uh, we've been we've known each other for what over thirty years now. Yeah, I've thought about how, how time just kind of flies by, and uh, but you moved to Washington D.C. You and Laura, with a, just a, asking God for direction, and we got connected uh, in mm. in D.C. here. And I remember walking with you past one day past that what was an old crack house. Yes. And you're talking about a vision that you had and uh, a hope in your heart yeah. that, that God would, would just open up ministry. And uh, why don't you just uh, talk a little bit about what drew you to D.C.? Yeah. I mean, what, you know, we didn't know each other. I don't know who you knew here, but t tell us about coming to D.C. Yeah, I think the, the backstory is significant because we tried to plant a church in Chicago. I mean, at the ripe old age of 22. <laughs> At 22, I think you think you have everything figured out. And uh, we, we had a church name, core group, bank account. Oh, wow. uh, but it, it fell apart on us pretty quickly. And, uh, but I, in retrospect, I think that's what it would take for the Lord to get us from Chicago, which is where our family was, which is where we grew up. Uh, to DC, but I think that failed church plant. Um, Lord, we'll go. We'll go anywhere. In yeah. fact, the, the further away from here, the better, because yeah. it was a little embarrassing. So we almost needed just a fresh start, some different scenery. Uh, I had never been to DC, but my roommate from college, Brad Rosenberg, yeah, sure, uh, Brad, yeah. was uh, was a youth pastor here in the area. So we came out for one visit and just on Pennsylvania Avenue, um, between the White House and the Capitol, just this moment of, this is it. I, wow. think, I think we're called here. I think some callings, I think, are geographical. Oh, yes. And, and so I think D.C., we've always felt like that's our, our mission field. Huh. Yeah. Let me, let me back up just for a little bit. Let's, um, I asked you this uh, in your office, but... Why don't you both share, what was it like the first time you met each other in person? Mm. Well, you know, I had a connection to Mark because of his father-in-law, Bob Schmidtgall, who's now in heaven. Mm. Was This guy was bigger than life. Yeah, uh, He was uh, an amazing pastor, heart for the world. And, I mean, most people in our tribe knew Bob Schmidtgall. Yeah. <laughs> and so when Mark and Laura came here, you know, that was Laura's dad. So that gave us a little bit of a connection. And uh, so once we got to t talking and uh, just, I just asked Mark about if he would be interested maybe in, uh, in taking a, a church, planting a church here in DC, because he had been working in our, uh, a center that we had, yeah. helping people. And uh, it, this was like a, a training center. And so he said, let's, let's go for it. And uh, I mean, it, I said we can't. All, we didn't have a building. We had just a you know a few people who might be interested. And uh, yeah. so that's kind of what drew us together yeah. initially. Is what yeah. I remember. 
But everybody needs somebody who believes in them more than they believe in themselves. And Doc Roden has been one of those people for me. And I'm, I'm eternally grateful. Um, you know, I felt like they welcomed us with open arms. And part of the affinity, I think, was, you know, my father-in-law and mother-in-law planted in 67. You planted West End. 69. In 69. So there was just kind of, you know, I, I think it, it felt a little bit like... Um, having a, a father figure, uh, not just a mentor. And then I, I will tell you, every single time we were together, be it a mentoring scenario or some kind of pastor's gathering, what I always look forward to is just a short devotional thought. Mm-hmm. And there was always a word that was white hot in in Doc Roden's spirit that just, um, his love for the word. And I still, to this day, I, I remember like the favor of him who dwells in the burning bush. I didn't even know that was in the Bible. Um, <laughs> and then he does a devotional on it and, you know, it, it becomes, it gets woven into some of my writing and some of my preaching. So just, uh, I think there was an immediate camaraderie, and and I've always been someone that um, places high honor on those who have been there and done that, and taken a few more trips around the sun than I have. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I've been around the sun 81 times now. So. <laughs> the, uh, but again, you know what? That's one of the things that excites me about today, Mark, is we have. Peter was in uh, an innovative leadership experience group at Valley Forge Christian College that, hmm. where I brought 10 students here to D.C. Yeah. for several years, and, and you hosted them for a couple hours and talked to them. So Peter yeah. was in one of those groups. Wow. Uh, and then yep. we have you here as the middle person today, and here I am as the senior person. So three generations of us. <laughs> and, you know, you have to be intentional yeah. about these things, about being together. I mean, Mark and I see each other from time to time. I'll either call him and say, hey, let's have lunch together. And, uh, but uh, Peter drove six hours today, mm. six hours today yeah. to get down here for this. <laughs> He's going to turn around and drive back. So it's just important that people understand friendships and relationships, they don't just happen by osmosis. Yeah. I mean, they you know some things can happen that way, but I think friendships and relationships are intentional. And, uh, and so we're here today in that regard. Well, let's go back to... Uh, those early days when we had a mentoring group, Mark, and yeah. you and Laura and one of those, and Dick Foth and his wife Ruth and Joan, my wife and myself, we, we met with these folks for these five couples, hmm. and Mark and Laura were one of those couples, and uh, that, that's how our, we began to see, you know, see that there was something, God's hand was on Mark and Laura's life in a very special way. I think one of the things leaders have to do, you have to have discernment. Mm. You have to have discernment and you have to see. Hmm. You have to see in people beyond where they are or where mm. they see themselves at times. Mm. I, and, and people have done that for me all of my life. Yeah. And I think that's important. And, and we saw in Mark and Laura the kind of people. They had what's mm. called the it factor. You know, mm. they, they, we just knew God's hand was on them. So it is, while none of us could envision all this happened at this point, nobody can see the future, but we knew, we knew that God was going to use them 
mm-hmm. in, a, in a powerful way here in, uh, in Washington, D.C. I want to I just uh, talk for a moment about things that can derail us. Mm-hmm. You, know, you talked about a failed church plant. Yeah. But, uh, Mark, I remember you being in the hospital. I mean, you were, you were getting started good here. It was in the, the year 2000 or so. And yeah. uh, tell us about that experience and maybe what, what that did for you in terms of saying God being with you and knowing that God's hand was on your life. I remember seeing you in the hospital. You were, you were a very, very sick person with your intestinal issue. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got up on July 23rd, 2000. It was a Sunday morning with intense abdominal pain. And uh, I give them a hard time now, but both my wife, Laura, and my brother-in-law, Joel, who has been our, you know, in, in that second chair for more than two decades, they gave me a little bit of a hard time. Like, you're not going to preach because you have a stomachache? Um, and uh, no, it was a little bit more serious than a stomachache. I, I walked out of church. I got five minutes into my sermon, walked out, doubled over in pain. Uh, an MRI finally around midnight that night. And uh, yeah, intestines had ruptured, sepsis had started to set in. They did emergency surgery. Uh, I lost 25 pounds in a week, lost a foot of intestines on a respirator for two days. A really hard year, challenging Mm -hmm. year um, physically, but you know, I look back on what was probably the worst day of my life, and uh, now, you know, probably one of the best days mm-hmm. because you get to the other side of it, and you take very little for granted. Yes, um, just a renewed appreciation for my my wife, for our two kids. At that point, we wouldn't have had a third child if if I didn't pull through that. Yeah. Um, so it was just one of those experiences that, uh, you know, I, I'm just grateful that uh, got to the other side of it. And now, uh, July 23rd, 2000 is my, my second birthday. That, wow. uh, and, I, and probably that celebration is actually a little bit more meaningful than my actual birthday. Because <laughs> I feel like God gave me a second mm, chance. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I want to jump in because um, it's kind of hitting me just what Bob's saying about generations. Um, I'm going to be sensitive because uh, I'm, I'm a bit younger. But, uh, you know, 30 years ago, you were probably close to the same age as Bob was. Yeah. When Bob kind of yes. brought you in. And yeah. so, you know, how, how does it feel? You know, I, you know, I'll look at Bob, too, to answer this, but we'll start with you. How does it feel to be at the same season of life that Bob was? 30 years ago and what does it feel like to be 30 years from that point I mean you're talking 1994 I mean next year it's 30 years yep yep yeah no it's not it's not lost on me (laughs) uh, you know I I still I'll probably always be 29 up here Mm. Um, you know there's one of my favorite words and Doc Roden Dick Foth kind of exemplify neoteny it's a zoological term, retention of youthful qualities into adulthood. Kind of that Caleb spirit of mm. someone who at 85 is still saying, give me the hill country. And uh, so, um, but I, I think once you, once you hit uh, 50, there, there was a sense, I need to flip the blessing. 
Um, I had some unbelievable people who believed in me, invested in me, mentored me. I mean, you invited me to be a part of this thing called the Des Plaines Charitable Trust, yes. which I will say shaped the way that I think about generosity. Um, that was a game changer. Uh, so all of those things, uh, it's, it's not coincidence that just uh, sort of mentoring 12 pastors, a, a cohort for the next year, because I feel like it's probably that season. Mm. And um, e even though I don't feel old enough to be a, a grandfather, I am going to be uh, uh, in a matter of months. And uh, so I think, I think pastors need pastors, leaders need leaders. I was given that gift. Mm. And that's a gift that I want to give back. Yeah. I think for me, staying, uh, staying in touch with people that I've known through the years. And, uh, you know, you retire from a position. I've retired from some position. But you never retire from life and ministry. Mm. Never. Mm. And so as long as I have breath, I'm going to be serving God and finding some way to talk about hope. Mm -hmm. with people because that's been a key word in my life. Our friend Dick Foth, if, if you're around him long enough, he's going to be talking about relationships. I mean, he can start at the maps of the Bible and he can talk <laughs> about relationships, you know, but the, uh, for me, it's the word hope. Yeah. And I think the part of that is my background, where I came from, what I came through. Mm. But I, I want to help convey to the next generations this sense of hope because there's such hopelessness in the world. I mean, right here in this city, when yeah. we think about the the kind of, there's sarcasm in this city, uh, there's a cynicism here about life, and I don't know, we don't can't identify all the reasons for that, but but I think one of the things that you've brought here in this place, Mark, is a sense of hope, mm -hmm. that in the midst of this kind of place, and I would like for mm -hmm. you to just talk for a moment about pastoring in a city, mm -hmm. where you are, you obviously have every brand in your church. You've got Democrats, Republicans, Independents, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And how you pastor mm. uh, and, and keeping the main thing, the main thing yeah. is, is so key. So, But you've, mm. you've been successful with that. Talk to us about that for a moment. Mm. Well, we all lead out of our history and personality and passions and giftedness. And, and so, you know, some of that is just how and where I was brought up, but I, I am, um, you know, positivity is one of my, my strengths, mm. but it's not really a positivity just based on personality. It's a positivity based on theology. I mm. mean, I have, um, over the years, uh, done a lot of theological work that has landed me at a place where we, we live between two realities and two theologies. Mm. Um, the faithfulness of God is pursuing us from the past. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives. So I look back over my shoulder, and it's so far, so God. Mm. And then I look to the future, and the sovereignty of God is setting me up. Mm. I mean, my life verse is Ephesians 2.10, where God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works prepared for us in advance. Well, that, that's where our holy confidence comes from that God's ordering our footsteps, mm. that he's setting things up for us. And, and so the best is yet to come, and, and we live where those two things intersect. Um, 
It's certainly a choice. You know, uh, Jim Collins talks about the Stockdale paradox. Do you remember mm -hmm. that? Um, that we confront the brutal facts with unwavering faith. Mm. And so, um, you know, our DC Dream Center, it's a place where hope becomes habit. That's kind of our catchphrase. Mm. And, and then the, the longer I, I am in the word, the more I love. Uh, I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. That is the hope of glory. And so I, I think hope is something that we can offer uh, the world that is, uh, that maybe, uh, well, I mean, we don't have time to get into materialism, secularism, or nihilism. But none of those have any trace of hope to them. Isn't that the truth? Wow. <laughs> so, so what we offer is a very different eschatological visions that, no, 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 it's okay. Just don't panic. The kingdoms of this world are becoming the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Every, every nation, tribe, people, language is going to gather around the throne. We know where this is headed. Yes, yes. Um, it's going to be okay. Yes. We're going we're gonna to get there. God's going to deliver on his promises. Um, yeah. So I'm listening to this conversation, and I have all the Doc Rodenisms in my head. Your, your potential is my mission. Yes. People that know you the best should believe in you the most. Uh, and then um, yeah. when, when I was a student, you asked this question that I, when I pastor, I asked people, yeah. do you like who you're becoming? Uh, let, me, let me ask mm. both of you. Mm. What what do you like of who you're becoming in this mm. season? Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You go. Uh, yeah. You know, I think you, uh, you you don't turn into something that you um, were not a few years ago. Mm. I think becoming is the key word. You yeah. become you become more and more like Christ. So that that's a process. Uh, it isn't like you say, well, hey, now I'm 60 or I'm 70 or 80, and hey, I've, I've got to got to start doing something. I think the idea is that that all along the way, you have you have been making steps, and those steps head you in that direction. Mm. The, I think psychologists say that in our older age, we become extremes of what we have been younger, in the younger huh. years. So, if if you have had a heart for pursuing the Lord, then that can become extreme in your, as you mm. as you as you get older. The uh, I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity to have been around the sun all these number of times and uh, and uh, you know I'm not going to get old and grumpy. I'm just uh, <laughs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Lord, you're the Lord uh, of my life and yes. uh, you've been uh, you know I've, I've always said my life has exceeded my dreams. Yes, got, uh, it's it's I've had more opportunities than anybody ever deserves, mm. and I'm grateful for that. So mm. I. Um, I like what I'm becoming, not because of what I'm doing, but because of what the Lord has given me, his gift of grace in my life. Mm. Mm. Do, you remember, do you remember that book, uh, Tuesdays with Maury? Yes. Oh, and yes. Uh, one of my favorite parts of that book is, I, I think someone asked Maury, what was your favorite age? And he said, right now. Right now. Mm. Be because he said, I am every age up to my own. Mm. In other words, 
I'm still that that kid at heart. I'm still, you know, this stage, this season. But he, he said something to the effect, think of all that I can be, mm. that I am every age up to my own. So, um, you know, I, I think in terms of, I think a long time ago I settled in my heart that I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to become a pastor as much as I'm trying to become myself. Mm. And I, I think the imposter syndrome or just coming to terms with who you are and who yes. you aren't. Uh, even that little John the Baptist, I am not the Messiah, is <laughs> such a freeing thing. Um, and I, I would say recently, and, and this comes out of, you know, I think every theology, you reverse engineer it back to Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Mm -hmm. And so I think that self-consciousness is part of the curse. Because it wasn't until they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that they became aware that they were naked. Shame and blame mm. entered the equation at that moment. So it, it's taken me 27 years of pastoring to become less and less self-conscious. But I think one of the things I've learned is you... As long as you care what people think about you, you cannot really genuinely care for them. Once you don't care what they think about you, mm. now you can actually care for them. Because I think a lot of us operate out of um, kind of whatever persona we think people want to see or encounter. And uh, um, so... I think, uh, you know, I'm just trying to enjoy the journey, um, every age and stage, and, uh, and and then still trying to figure out what I want to do when I grow when up. You go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, uh, we could uh, we could probably be here for hours just talking to the three of us, enjoying each other, and uh, we're gonna wind this down. And uh, I wanna I wanna just. Uh, I want to say something about the word today, Mark. You've mentioned that, and that's that's the center of all of our lives. There's a little book mm. called The Bible in Four Words. It's absolutely fabulous. Mm. It says, it's first of all the word of. We're made in the image of God. Mm. Second is the word between. Something comes between God and man. And the third word is the word with. It's God with us, Emmanuel. Mm. And the fourth word is in, Christ in us, mm. the hope of glory. Wow. So those four words encapsulate mm. what the Bible is teaching us. Mm. Of, between, with, and in. And when you take those four words uh, and you begin to wrap them together in your life and you see the Bible mm. as, a, as God God giving us his word. The Bible was not written to us. It was written for us. That's an important mm. piece, I think, to know as well. Mm. I, can, I can lay hold of promises in the Bible, but it was written, it was written for us mm. to, to help to mold and shape us. Mm. Um, but if the Bible was all we needed, Christ would have had to come. So we need the incarnation as well. Mm. So it's the word of God as we have it in printed form as the incarnation the Word of God, those two mm. things together make our lives. And I want to thank you again, Mark, for just being willing to 
chat with us today and mm. share your life. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to jump in for one last one, thing. One last um, thing. You're okay. Uh, you know, this is this is a pretty Kairos moment. Um, mm. You do a lot of podcasts. Um, I don't know if you've ever done a podcast with this guy, um, but you know, I just kind of think um, honoring is a big deal. Why don't we close with you know you talking to each other? What's one thing that you're most grateful for? You were kind of mm. going there anyway, so mm. I just figured, yeah. you know, take a moment to just yeah. help everyone know that. Yeah. Well, I, I want to comment on what you just said because sure. I think um, I I I study people. I mean, I two rules of life: everyone is my superior in some way. In that I learn of them. So I'm going to try to approach any relationship um, in a learning posture. I mean, the other one is everyone's fighting a battle I know nothing about. So that <laughs> gives me a little bit of grace and empathy. But as I have um, had a friendship, mentorship with Doc Roden, one, one of the things that I've seen in his life that's inspired me is his love for the word. And there's always a white hot, you know, that word quicken in Hebrew mm. is the same word for resurrection. Mm. And in, in uh, Psalm 119, like quicken me with your word. So I, I, I know a lot of people who preach the word, who study the word, but I'm rarely with um, Doc that there isn't some sort of quickening that just gets my pulse going. It was in Hebrews the last time we were mm. together. Yeah. You remember what yeah. what was the what yeah. was the that we uh, we become mature by the constant use of the Word of God. The constant use, use. and and there's always a little um, there's some kind of insight that I always draw um, that I've just been so grateful for and. You know, my, my most prized possession is a 1934 Thompson Chain Reference Bible that belonged to my grandfather. Mm. And if I showed it to you, it's literally taped together. Um, there are books in that Bible, the book of Daniel, where almost every verse is underlined with, with comments in the margins. And uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon who said, um, show me a person whose Bible is falling apart and I'll show you a person who isn't falling apart, which is a paraphrase. But um, so I just, I just want to say thank you because uh, you even said it at at the ordination. Preach the word mm. in season, out of season, and that exhortation uh, has been a blessing to me. And your love for the word, I think, has somehow gotten. Uh, into my into my spirit, and, and now I forgot the original question. <laughs> you, you actually answered it, but I think um, Bob, take a moment. Just I mean, this is a very special relationship, and I think Mark just thanked you for it, the influence of the word. What's one thing that you want Mark to know of what you're grateful for for him? Yeah, I'm grateful for Mark's loyalty. You know, uh, Mark and I knew each mm -hmm. other before he was a an acclaimed writer, <laughs> internationally known uh, speaker at every kind of conference you could think about. But but in his in the recognition of other people about his life and giving him acclaim, 
he has maintained his friendships with those people that knew him before he was the Mark Batterson. And I want to say thank you, Mark, for, uh, for the kind of spirit that you carry about you of yourself. You have, uh, you have a, an accurate assessment of who you are, and, uh, and you carry that with you everywhere you go. But I, I want to thank you. You treat people so well, and I'm, uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your friendship. Uh, Aristotle said friendship is two people who each have souls that match. Mm. I think our souls match. Yeah, and uh, and we uh, we we walk in that. Mm. And thank you again for today's podcast. And I pray that God would use it to just inspire other people. And mm. uh, maybe we can have a prayer as we close today. Could we do that? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you today for Mark and your hand on his life. God, would you continue to bless him beyond what he could imagine or think? Mm. Thank you for what you've already done. We look to you for days ahead when, mm. when your manifestation is, is so powerful and strong and you influence other people all the way, all mm. the way through him and what he does for you. I thank you for Peter today, Lord. Keep mm. your hand on him and help him as he grows and develops. Yes. I thank you for his loyalty to you and his desire to serve you. Mm. So we give you this day, Lord. Mm. We give our lives to you again this day and ask that it will be Christ in us, the hope of glory. Mm. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. 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 Thank you for being a pastor to this pastor. And uh, you got me right there at the end. <laughs> but uh, so many, so many moments and memories that I'm grateful for. And... Uh, excited about what the future holds um, and uh, eternally indebted uh, to you and to Joan and uh, all that you've meant to Laura and I. Um, I'm just so grateful for long-standing friendships. It, it's just a, it's a gift. It, it is, is a gift, gift um, because I'm guessing a lot of people watching and listening are in some sort of ministry capacity. Yes. It's so lonely sometimes. Mm. Mm. And part of the loneliness is not everybody can identify with the pain points. Yes. With just the wrestle and the struggle. Like, I mean, I was with pastors this morning and I just I just threw this out there. I said Anybody else, whoever you invest in the most, that's who's going to leave the church. <laughs> like, what in the world? Um, so church hurt is real, but pastor hurt is real yes, too. Yes. And, and that's where I just think the, the, the lone wolves, they don't make it. Um, you need someone that can walk with you. And for me... I've always, I mean, they're really, they're, there are two older influences, Dick Foth and Doc Roden, that I will always point to as having um, almost an Aaron and her, mm. although I don't, I am not Moses, so that's <laughs> the wrong, that is the wrong analogy, but um, I've always felt the two of you holding up 
our arms and, and believing on us. And so um, thanks for letting me add just a little yeah. addendum there and just a heartfelt thank you. Uh, well said. Just a, it's a, that's who you are. That's who you are, Mark. You're, mm -hmm. you're this kind of person. It's been a great day. It's been yeah. a great day. Thank you so much for joining us. Mm -hmm.